This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. I'm Wong Xiaoning and this is The Breakfast Grill. Instead of diamonds, handbags and shoes are my best friends. Music to the ears of Bonia, a brand with 555 retail outlets around the world, which started back in 1974. In the studio is their second-generation leader, Group CEO, Datuk Sri Daniel Chiang, who will be telling us what is the next phase of growth for them, the challenge of staying relevant with ever-increasing fickle customers, and should you buy their stock against a backdrop of increasing competition and economic headwinds. Thank you for joining us this morning, Daniel. First off, retail is notoriously challenging. Brands come and go, and we just have to look at the fortunes of names like J. Crew, Esprit, Gap to know that once popular names can just fade away. So after being in business for 50 years, is Borneo at risk of that today? I mean, the retail market is always challenging and it's uh, ever-evolving. But retail is a business that is very different from tech. It's uh, here for hundreds and hundreds of years and it will be here for the next hundred and hundred of years. I think importantly is as long as we, we evolve ourselves constantly, uh, stay relevant to the market, we are definitely going to be still around. Um, after, in a, I mean, in the next 50 years. But the, today's consumer is so fickle, right? We have a plethora of choices. We are bombarded by social media telling us what to buy. The ease of it is undeniable with the click of a few buttons. I can get that new bag, new wallet, new shoe without mm. having to go to any shop. So how is Bonia creating that loyalty? Uh, just as you say, the customers are more fickle. And we, I mean, being in Bonia, we, we, we adapt their fickle-minded to be more agile. <laughs> We have to be more agile in terms of product offerings. We have to create more exciting campaigns, marketing campaigns, right, to, to stay relevant and to be at the top of their mind. Okay, so what are the new campaigns that have you done that you think really work for the consumers of today? If you look at uh, how Bonia has come by, we started our rebranding in uh, 2018, 2019, right? And um, we did that because uh, we did a survey and that... Uh, um, based on our demographic, our existing demographic in 2018, uh, it was pretty aged. And we, as we, old as the brand. Yeah. Almost <laughs> as old as the brand. Yeah, you can say that. Yes, yes. So uh, we decided, you know, we, we have to stay relevant to the younger, much younger audiences uh, to future-proof the businesses. And we went through a, a rebranding uh, process. And uh, that started from marketing campaigns. Mm. Uh, we moved from offline to online. We, we went to invest almost 90 over percent of our marketing budget onto digital. Uh, that was a big move. The second thing was uh, we also changed our Bonia logo. We used to have a, a, small, a squarish logo, but today we have a very different one and we, we thought that it's more appealing, attractive to the younger audiences. We introduced new monograms rather than the really, really old uh, monograms that we have. Uh, because we also did a survey and very interesting is that people either love it so much or they don't really like it. Mm -hmm. So we have to also create a different monograms that are more appealing, that are more refreshing uh, for the younger audiences with more vibrant colors. And most also very importantly is our store concept because they offer an uh, experience uh, to the customers, to mm. give them the X factor. It's like coming into a different store, creating some curiosity, creating some excitement. And uh, we are very glad that at that time in 2019, we were given an opportunity, which I thought it was my breakthrough, uh, to be in KLCC ground floor. So we invested heavily uh, into that, that boutique. And indeed, that has 
kind of. Uh, mm, has it paid off? I think, in many ways, it has paid off because it attracted a lot of people's belief that the brand is is uh, ready to move, to reposition, to rebrand, and uh, we put you know we put our words, our plan into actions by investing in it, and we recreated the store concept. So have you actually seen a change in your Bonia customer demographic? If I can give you some data, in 2018, more than 50% of our customers are aged above 50. Oh, older than so the brand. <laughs> I must say that that's quite alarming for, for me, especially I'm the second gen. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to future-proof these businesses and I want to stay in the business. Mm. Uh, as of today, as of our last year's uh, data collections, right, 2023, more than 70% are aged between 20 to 40 years old. So this transition has proven to be successful uh, over the last five years. And when it comes to retail preferences, you alluded to that a little bit in terms of the expansion of the boutique count, right? I think now it's 101 from just 99 a year ago, while consignment counters reduced to 244 from 301. Boutique segment now accounts for 49% of turnover versus consignment at 37%. Mm. But I would assume with boutiques comes increasing fixed costs. You've got mm. rental, you've got labour, and of course there's also going to be capex in terms of upgrading the boutiques along the way. So does this outweigh, are there additional profits that make this concept worthwhile or is it really just it is a necessity for the brand? I mean, first of all, moving from consignment to boutiques, I'm, not, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not saying moving from consignment to boutiques because we still have consignment stores, but it's just that you know, we focus. A fo- focus a lot more into uh, our retail, so-called motor stores. Mm. Firstly, is we are brand owners. So being a brand owner, uh, our long-term plan is always to build the brand. Control it all the way. Mm. From yes, the way to the look to the final. Yeah, tr- yeah. So for, from a long-term perspective is that we take the brand as a long, long-term business. Okay. So building the brand has always been the primary uh, uh, so-called uh, consideration in our mind. But when you look at these boutiques, right? I mean, I'm sure there's some analysis done in terms of the profitability and the return. So are there strict rules or strict discipline imposed in terms of return targets or payback periods for each store? And what goes behind the thinking of, oh, I want to open a store in this new mall or Mm, in that new mall? Yeah. Um, Generally, all boutiques are are profitable. Always. Otherwise, you shut them down, isn't it? Yes, we shut them down. I mean, over the last uh, few years, we have done restructuring. We shut down all non-performing stores. So all the stores that we have are profitable on an annual basis. And I have to give, I mean, credit to also the brand has been around for 50 years. So mm. we have gained uh, we have, uh, enough loyalty from customers to continue to support the brand that allow us to continue to invest into boutiques. Yeah, so does it, is there a great variance between one boutique over another boutique in terms of the payback period? Of definitely, so you impose different targets for different stores depending yeah. on the mall outlet. Okay, uh, so we view that for, for boutiques in terms of the footprints, right, it's a strategy. Mm. So it's not necessarily just uh, determined by the payback or the rate of return. But uh, there's also other considerations we put in place that are non-monetary. They are more of a strategic nature. Now, a few years ago, thanks to the pandemic, I think all retailers were hopping into this omni-channel bandwagon, right? Mm. So it was like literally the the tagline was long live e-commerce, brick and mortar is dead. But I think e-commerce, if I look at your data, is only 5% of sales for 2023. Mm. Is it too soon to write this off? Because I see an increasing trend which is direct to consumer via TikTok, for example, Mm. or Instagram. Is that something that Bonia is considering or has already embarked on? Generally, uh I must say that omni-channel is still very uh, applicable. 
where most retailers should be heading towards where we, we connect the offline to online. It's no longer just online or just offline. Uh, whether or not is it 5%, 10% or 15%, uh, the way I see is we are giving the choice to the customer, to the consumer. We, we, are not, we are not limiting ourselves that you only can shop offline. Okay. But right. you said that uh, 90% of your A&P is spent on digital. It, I mean, is it all correlated to, to e-commerce or you just think, okay, this consumer now looks on things online but still goes to brick and mortar and shop? Is that what the typical... That's what we see for Malaysia. I mean, in terms of information, in terms of gaining uh, information, I mean, information, right? Very much we use our... I mean, we all have smartphones. Yeah. Even now, we... In terms of the daily news, we all get it through 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 online. Mm. So awareness-wise, very much consumers are depending on online. But when it comes to actual conversion or transaction, I think uh, Malaysian typically they they still uh, appreciate the experience they have in the shop. I guess nothing beats feeling, touching, and smelling the leather good, right? Yeah, or maybe because we have a hot weather and we just <laughs> enjoy aircon in a in a shopping mall. <laughs> that could be true too. Now Chinese New Year is literally round the corner. Uh, so we should be out shopping, but I think the cost of living pressures are real. Wage growth is flat, most of us are feeling poorer and the economy isn't great. And I'll be honest, I love bags and shoes, mm. don't get me wrong, but it really isn't a necessity. So what has sales been like actually? Uh, well, Chinese New Year is still around the corner. Mm. Um, some, I'm sure there's some people still doing their last yeah. minute shopping. Yeah, yeah. So, so typically Malaysians are last minute shopper, <laughs> right? But typically the way we see in Bonia is... Um, we are tracking in a, we still continue to have growth. We are expected to have growth because we need to add January and February sales together. Yeah. And based on our January uh, sales compared to last year, we believe that if we would add January and uh, February, the, according to the run rate, we were achieving some single digit growth. Okay, because that would be quarter three, isn't it? In yeah. terms of your numbers. And last year it was 112 million. So this year should be a much better year? Quarter three... Uh, Includes March, so yeah. we do not know how much is going to happen. You know, after Chinese New Year, <laughs> we do not know what the sentiment. Like I said, we do not deny that uh, in comparison to last year, uh, consumer sentiment remains a little bit soft, uh, especially with those geopolitical uh, risk and um, so rising costs. So do you notice, is there a reduction in terms of footfall traffic or is the average ticket size of your consumer coming down in terms of their behaviour? I must say that footfall traffic didn't reduce. At all? At all. Okay, because but, like you say, people in Malaysia love their malls, right? Yeah, but it's true that uh, we do see people are more cautious in spending. Uh, we will have to offer a more attractive uh, promotion to, to, to entice the customer to spend. So which begs the question, when will Bonia's revenue return to pre-pandemic levels of 500 million? This was 2019. Or the question is, do you, is there the worry that the brand is being left behind as, you know, consumers just latch mm. on to the to the newer, shinier bag that's out there? Well, if you compare to 2019, uh, we do have a group revenue close to 500. And mm. that's also because it has included many other brands like Colorino, which has been spun, I mean, spin off to as an independent uh, list of coal. Yes. And of, also on top of that, uh, we used to carry a lot more licensed brands uh, that uh, we do business in departmental store by consignment. Mm. Uh, I think... In 2018, 2019, we probably still have seven to eight licensed brands, where today we only have two. So the reduction in, the, in terms of the group revenue is very much because of the licensed brand and the spin-off of uh, Colorino. Okay. So we need to X that away. But in terms of we look at the by-brand division, right? In 2019, uh, Bonia is doing around 90, 90 million. You see, annualized is about 170 million. 
what we see is incomparable to the 2023 and uh, 2019, right? Mm. We have surpassed the pre-pandemic okay. numbers already for Bonia brand. For brown buffer, we remain flat. But most imp- but if you if you look down the GP, we have inc- we have improved our GP level a lot after the re- rebranding and all the campaigns that we put on. Uh, we, at, at the moment, we are now enjoying around 61% uh, GP compared to the past, it was around 50 plus. Okay, I'll come to your margins in a bit, but I do want to know your thoughts on this luxury tax mm. that the government is going to introduce in, in May. De- details are scant at this moment, although the rate is between supposedly 5 to 10%. Uh, won't Bonia be impacted? I don't have much information on the luxury tax, mm. but uh, the way I see it is we do not consider ourselves luxury. But I've been into your boutiques and some of your bags are quite pricey. But not as expensive as other luxury brands like, <laughs> like, like the French brands or the brands that you buy from, I mean, uh, from Italy. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that, you know, in, in terms of if we look into this industry and we segmentize it, right, mm. we... Technically, we are not in the luxury. On the breakfast grill this morning is Datu Sri Daniel Chiang, Executive Director, Bonia Corp Berhad. After the break, the challenges of being a second-generation CEO and why is this stock overlooked? BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. BFM 89.9, welcome back to The Breakfast Grill, where in the hot seat this morning is Dato Sri Daniel Chang, Executive Director of Bonia Corp. Before the break, when will Bonia return to pre-pandemic revenues and how does this 50-year-old brand intend to stay relevant? Now, Daniel, I want to stay on the financials and you mentioned your GP margins, but I looked mm. at the EBITDA margins and there is some compression. Last quarter, it was down to 23% compared to 29% for the same period last year. What explains this? I understand that there's uh, a lot of people like to look at EBITDA, but yeah. in my, my business, analysts love to look yeah, at EBITDA. But to be honest, for me, right, I never look at EBITDA. Okay, so why? Because one of the key reasons is that in my business, I have to renovate, and it has to be renovated every five years. So if I if I were to strip off depreciation or this thing, it doesn't give you the, the the real reality of how how my business. Because renovation, creating store concept is part of the business, part of part of the offering. But don't you have a discipline, like let's say every year I'm going to spend so much on. On renovation, I'm mm. going to spend so much on A and P as yes, a percentage, it's a percentage of, of our top line. Okay, we do we do that most of the time. I'm more concerned with after the depreciation, after the tax. You know what is mm. the profit margin? And as you can see, is that compared now to like two hundred one nine, or we have improved our profit. Do you then pay any attention to cost management? Because you can't really control top line, can you? And if the economy does slow down and people feel poorer, really, they're not going to mm. go out and buy that bag and wallet on an impulse. Or even after much thought, they might think, I'll delay that purchase. So as we head into 2024, 2025, um, is there more consideration towards cost management then? I mean, when it comes to cost management, it's always also... Um, something that we, we monitor, mm. right? What are, what are necessary costs? What are productive costs? What are some unproductive costs? We will try our best, you know, to do housekeeping almost every uh, quarter or every six months to do to, to, to review what are some of the unproductive costs that we... So what have you uncovered as unproductive costs then? It can be very minor. It can be as minor as how we pack uh, our bags into the box because logistic uh, prices... Is, are higher? Are much higher now. Mm. And it can give us a, a, a big savings, right? Uh, it can also be, you know, how do we change uh, our lighting to energy savings and, and also promotes our sustainability. 
bigger cost kind of uh, thing is we do have look look what are some of the businesses that are not performing. Mm. Uh, what do we do with them? Uh, do we, we do we have a strategy to turn it around, or should we just write it off? Write it off. Now, a critical part of retail is inventory management, right? Mm. Nobody wants to be stuck with stock that is irrelevant um, or redundant. So, in twenty twenty three, I did notice that um, inventory was ninety four million. Uh, versus 43 million in the previous year. Of course, this out and out. Yeah. So, is Bonia producing goods that just don't fly off the shelves anymore? Is there a reason why there's a If you compare 90 to the 43, I think 43 it was a pandemic, a pandemic mm. time where inventory is definitely the lowest because we just do have sales. But if you look back at our history, right, we used to hold inventory at 120. Okay. So, actually, we have uh, control of inventory uh, substantially uh, much lower than in the past. How, what is the accounting or the, or the practice when it comes to writing it off though? Because there are some retailers, what they do is they surprise you one year where there's a big write-off. Oh no, you can't really. The auditors, they all, they, we have, there, there is a rule. They are very strict yes, about yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. There is the ageing formula for it already. Okay. No, I mean, so now Bonia um, was started by your father, mm. Chiang Sang Seng. And although it's a listed company, Daniel, I can't help but notice that it's still very much a, a family business. So five Chiangs are directors, mm. um, three are independent, of course. And even in senior management, I notice there are two ladies. I suppose they are spouses. Mm. So um, would you say it would be unfair for me to assume that there's some form of nepotism in Bonia? Firstly, we don't deny that uh, Bonia is still a family business. Mm. And we still tell people it is a family business. Um, but when we look at investors, they say that, you know, in the family business, we look at long term. With the way we make decisions, we look at over generations. We don't look just over the calendar year or <laughs> a few years. Like, you know, some, some financial institution, they like, they like us to perform like, like, like super on well. A quarter, know, on a quarter, 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 quarter basis, on a right? quarterly basis, right? Having said that, is that, if you look at the structure now compared to the past, right? Uh, we have done, I mean, the, the founder has done... Uh, has really executed a family planning mm. where each of the of us, the son, mm. I think, had different units of the businesses, and you know, um, and we are being appraised according to our business, our, our performances in each unit. You can see the color room is being spin off. Yeah, that's uh, run by your brother, right? That's that's run by that's by no longer, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no longer in the Bonio Corp, mm. right? It's independent and it's. Uh, they have their, their own strategy and their own expansion plan. And just recently, we have also um, Dollar Street Alex, which is also one of our family members, have also taken a substantial stake for the Sam Bonio Group, the SPG Group, right, to incentivize uh, his business. Okay. Right, to get the business performed because he has he, he has a, a personal stake in the business. So this is to entice and uh, incentivize our performances. So in that in that sense... Everyone has their own play- playground. And you're all held accountable. Clearly. You do well, you don't do well, you're accountable to the board. But how do you then intend to groom and retain talent in the company if everyone still assumes it's a family business? Because you do want external talent, right, to join Bonia. Mm-hmm. On the board level, we do have a substantial family and we need to rec- recognise that the whole restructuring started in 2018, 2019 with mm. the family planning. And I think it's a gradual process. We're not going to take away all the... <laughs> right, it's a gradual process. But if you look at a senior management, mm. it's all professionalized already compared to the past. 
and it will be increasingly so over yes, time. And it will be increasingly so. Now, we have to talk about Borneo's share price now. Since it's listing back in 1994, which is a long time ago, the stock price hit a high of 360 back in June 2014. But it's never really recovered. I think it currently trades around 1 ringgit 70 cents. There's no official coverage on the company by analysts. Now, why do you think Borneo is so overlooked, even though the current price earning ratio, according to Bloomberg, is only just nine times? Maybe I'm not done enough IR. <laughs> yeah, I'm too this is part one. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just, we are just too focused in our own businesses that we have not done, we have not done our IR sufficiently. But why do you think someone should look at Bonia as a stock? What do you offer them compared to other consumer names out there? I've always said that we are an established name, mm. right? Uh, we built over 50 years and we have brands like Brown Buffer. Uh, in terms of financial, in terms of balance sheet, we are in a net cash position. And uh, we continue to, to generate free cash flow every year and we pay a dividend. So if you look strictly from PE or by whatever ratio, I do not deny that, some, that, that we, we, may, we, we do feel that we are... Overlooked? Underpriced. <laughs> <laughs> Unloved. Yeah. But that doesn't trouble us. That doesn't trouble us because, uh, again, it's the family, kind, the family thinking that we have is that we are holding this for generations. We're going to build. There are moments of time or in terms of seasonality that we are being... Appreciated, mm. um, but you know we are not going to to time or to influence the market. Uh, most importantly, is is really still building brands. On that note, thank you for your time today on the Breakfast Grill. Was Datuk Sri Daniel Chang, Executive Director of Borneo Corp Berhad. I'm Wong Shaning, BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill brought to you by U Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.